Um, well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Drones for Good podcast. Uh, Andrew Crow is my name uh, by now. Welcome to the podcast again this week. Uh, hopefully, you've been enjoying uh, the podcast over the last uh, little week. We, we've really got ourselves into a role, um, thanks to the great Zach at Mirrigan, who's been looking after organising guests and, and getting me sorted, so I certainly appreciate that. And we've got on a real role recently. Um, I feel like we're building in momentum, and I, I feel like we're building towards some um, – we're building through some outstanding uh, attendees and, and uh, people we've been interviewing and today is uh, is no different to that as well. Um, today I'm really excited to have uh, some heavy hitters and some big players across the robotics and autonomous system area uh, from a government organisation, uh, the CSIRO Data61 and Navinda Todigay. G'day Navinda, how are you? Uh, I'm good, thanks. Excellent. Mate, thanks so much for uh, you know coming on today. I know you're a, you're a busy guy doing what you do, so we certainly appreciate you taking the time. That's all right. Happy to be here. Um, Livinda, let's start with you. So um, what's your background? How, how did you end up to where you are and what are you currently doing at Data61? Yeah, so um, I've already, always loved robots uh, and uh, that, that's had been, that had been a, um, kind of a driving thing uh, for, for a long time, even, even from my school days. So I, I did my uh, primary and secondary education and my university education back in Sri Lanka and then I came to... Australia to do my uh, uh, PhD at um, at the ANU in Canberra. Um, and sorry, uh, I probably I, missed that at the start. It's actually Doctor Navinder, isn't it? I, I apologise, I missed that. That's that's so good. Uh, I um, for my PhD, I worked on underwater robotics. Uh, we we were trying to build a swarm of uh, small small robots, uh, and uh, and then after that, I joined the CSIRO as a postdoctoral fellow. Um, Twelve. Odd years ago, two thousand wow. and nine, I've been in I've been in Cyro um, since then, and I've um, kind of gone through the ranks, uh, and and currently I'm I'm leading the the robotics and autonomous systems group uh, here at Cyro. So I've, I'm leading a group of um, around fifty full time staff plus about thirty affiliates. So we've got about eighty people uh, in our robotics group uh, based based here in Brisbane. Fantastic. So you said 80 people in, in the group. That's, that's amazing. That's so many people working on, uh, on such an important part of the industry. It is. It is, it is, it is a um, big group, but a, but a very active and productive group as well. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned you're in Brisbane. Are you out at the Pullendale site? Is that where you're based at? Yes. Yes. Um, uh, so our group is uh, mainly based here at, um, at QCAT in Pullendale, the Queensland Centre for Advanced Technologies. Excellent. So, uh, Navinder, I want to get into a little bit of detail about Data61. So, I don't know a hell of a lot about it, and I'd suggest our listeners know of CSIRO and know of Data61, but we don't understand the relationship between the two. Can you give us a bit of background into Data61 and how it nests, you know, within CSIRO? Yes, absolutely. So, CSIRO, as you know, is a um, is a large organisation with over 5,000 people um, spread across pretty much all, all major cities in, in uh, Australia. And uh, CSR is structured into uh, multiple divisions or we call them business units. Uh, so out of the many different business units focusing on things like health and biosecurity, uh, mining and minerals, energy, uh, astronomy and space science and all of that. So Data61 is one such business unit. Uh, and uh, uh, the, the name is a bit, Bit intriguing. So, uh, what, what happened was a number of years ago, uh, CSIRO had um, 
a business unit called the ICT Center, and later on it was called uh, Computational Informatics, and then it turned uh, into Digital Productivity. But then there was another government agency called NICTA, the National ICT uh, Agency, and uh, there was a merger between uh, NICTA and uh, the digital uh, digital productivity business unit at Cyro. So the new entity that was created, or the new business unit in Cyro, was called Data Sixty One. So that's that's what kind of the name comes in. Uh, but the um, the simple explanation is we we do um, things related to data science and automation and robotics. So all, all the robotics and autonomous systems related research, um, computer vision, cybersecurity, natural language processing. That, that sort of research all comes under Data61. So Data61 is a business unit of Cyro, and uh, we, we do pretty cool stuff here. You do. You do outstanding work. And, and I mean, CSIRO more broadly does outstanding work as well. Um, just for our listeners, I think we all kind of know who Cyro is and what they do, but I actually didn't know what it stood for. So I Googled it. So it's the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organisation. So there we go. We, we learn something every day. Um Devinda, the main reason I, I, uh, we asked you to come on today is you guys have just um, gone through a pretty significant challenge um, over in the US, uh, the DARPA sub-T challenge. And, and for those, again, I needed to go on Google, but the Defence Advanced Research Projects Agency, which is a US-based organisation, um, the DARPA sub-T challenge, which um, I've heard and read is, is nearly the Robot Olympics. Um, and we we sort of held our own, if not more than held our own over there, but we're not going to talk straight away about the results. So I'm going to hold that to the end. Um, let's talk about the DARPA Sub-T Challenge. So um, what is it? What, what's it all about? And what problems or, or you know problem sets is it trying to solve? Yeah, so a um, little bit uh, about DARPA. So as, as you mentioned, DARPA is a, a US government agency. Uh, and uh, they, they've been around for a while and they're, they're responsible for some pretty significant things. So uh, before they, they picked up the D or the defense part in the acronym, they, they were known as the Advanced Research Project Agency. And back mm-hmm. in the late 60s, they invented the internet. So they, wow. they, they, they do that. pretty pretty significant stuff. And more recently, the last 20 years, um, they've uh, started setting up these grand challenges in, in robotics, uh, global challenges. And uh, one of the first ones was the aptly named DARPA Grand Challenge that was to uh, send uncrewed vehicles across the Mojave Desert. Uh, mm-hmm. That was in the early, early 2000s. And then they followed it up with the DARPA Urban Challenge, which was a similar thing, but in an urban setting. So this literally kicked off the whole autonomous vehicles industry. So the, the likes of Google, uh, Google's Waymo, and then uh, Uber, Tesla, all, all these aut- autonomous vehicle industries did not exist uh, before that. And more recently, they've, um, they've set up this challenge, which started in 2018, called the DARPA Subterranean Challenge. And this is all about sending fleets of robots into unknown underground environments where um, uh, you, you wouldn't have access to GPS. Uh, these environments would be extremely harsh for radio communication. There would be a lot of um, mobility challenges. Um, and the, the subterranean environment was divided into three subdomains. Uh, one was uh, man-made tunnels, such as mining tunnels. The second one was underground urban, uh, such as uh, subway and sewer systems and underground industrial infrastructure. And then the third one was natural caves. So uh, the challenge was to send robots into these environments on a on a scavenger hunt, literally. So to, to find <laughs> a num- number of predefined artifacts, uh, such as thermal mannequins representing human survivors, backpacks, 
mobile phones, power drills, fire extinguishers, air vents, climbing rope, hard hats, um, pockets of uh, high concentrations of carbon dioxide. So all of these are kind of indicators of, of human survivors in the aftermath of natural disaster or industrial accident. So uh, developing this technology was aimed at helping first responders of people who want to kind of go and, go and find human survivors after, after a disaster. So that, that's, that's how the challenge was set up. So these are real life problems that, that you know we could really come across, and I immediately think to um, a podcast I listened to called Against the Odds um, on Wondery, and it talked about the Thailand cave rescue. Um, and for those that remember that slightly, it's it's where a group of eleven or twelve um, sort of eleven to sixteen year olds went into a cave uh, with their soccer coach. Uh, the cave flooded massively, and they got stuck. And um, against all odds, they got them all out alive, which is amazing. But I guess this you know this is building towards those types of um, situations. It's not just uh, it's not just an organisation just thinking some random thing up. It is focused on real-time things, isn't it, or, or real-time challenges that may come up. Absolutely. So all, all these challenges, all the challenge elements are very much inspired and motivated by real-life problems. And, and the way this challenge was set up was it's, it's not just one thing that you have to do to, to be able to successfully compete in this challenge. You need to solve so many problems because you need to solve the problem of um, not having GPS, like the, how do the robots know where they are and they mm. have no map. They need to create a map. They need to place themselves on the map. They need to solve the problem of being able to communicate with each other and also send the information back to the base station. The other thing that I uh, uh, didn't mention earlier is obviously humans are not allowed to go into the course. Only one human supervisor is allowed to connect to a computer that can talk to the robots as well. So it's not a matter of having a large team of humans being able to remotely control robots. So it's only one human allowed uh, to control a whole fleet of robots. So that in itself um, comes with a number of challenges. Um, and I'm itching to ask how we went, but I'm not going to ask just yet. Uh, so how many teams are involved? Is this, a, is this a big challenge or is there only you know, two or three people sort of involved? It, it is a global challenge. So this started three years ago back in 2018 when they called for proposals uh, from, from around the world and uh, fairly prominent uh, research organisations, universities and, and, and corporations submitted um, applications uh, or proposals. And CSRO was one of those. So we, we led a proposal um, uh, with a couple of partners, um, Emerson uh, being one of our uh, spin-out companies from our group uh, based here in Brisbane as well. And, and we also partnered with Georgia Tech based in the US. So we put in a proposal uh, amongst many other proposals and then DARPA selected seven teams uh, initially to be funded to compete in the three-year uh, period. So we happen to be the only non-US prime organization to be selected for funding for three wow. years. And they all also allowed four other self-funded teams to compete as well. So the starting lineup three years ago were 11, 11 teams. And then um, over the course of the three years, they had a number of circuit events and uh, there were a number of funding gates. So it, it wasn't guaranteed funding for the three years. So it was based on your performance. Uh, so our team managed to uh, successfully perform um, over the three years. And then we were qualified to participate in the finals. And the final lineup uh, had eight teams uh, competing uh, for, the, for the final prize. That, that was held, um, the finals were held last month. 
Okay. And I think um, it's important to kind of note that, yeah, it's not just Data61. There's a there's a consortium of people here, you know, achieving these outcomes. And I know that uh, I know of Emerson, you know, quite well. I know that you guys have been working with BAI5 um, based here in Brisbane as well with Sean Tansley and the crew. How important is that? How important is collaboration? How important is, you know, these Australian-built systems to, to the success that you guys have seen? Oh, it's absolutely important. So, um, as you said, so our, our, our team itself had had CSIRO and and, and the two uh, two partners, MS and, and Georgia Tech. But then, uh, as you mentioned uh, rightly, we we did collaborate with uh, with local businesses and and companies to to acquire some of the technology that we used and built upon. Uh, so we we bought our track robot platforms from uh, BIA Five. Uh, a Brisbane-based company, uh, and and they they were building these um, these machines uh, for first responders as as police robots, uh, and then we we bought these platforms and uh, essentially rebranded them uh, and and uh, converted them into into autonomous uh, robots that that um, carries our technology on top of it, and then we our partner Emerson they specialize in drone autonomy, so they provided the UAV platforms. Uh, which in fact were actually carried on top of the BIA5 uh, track robot platform. So, so the, the terminology we used was a marsupial deployment. So the, the track robot actually carries in the drone into the course. And then when uh, there's an appropriate situation to launch the drone, we would launch it off the, uh, off the back of the, uh, the track robot. Sounds like something we'd say on Mars. Um, and you use different tech, and, and actually, I'll probably skipped over that a little bit. But you had sort of three main types of technology that you employed. Um, could you talk us through those technologies and, and what they were? Uh, yes. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we had uh, track robots, or uh, we, we had um, uh, UAVs, and we also had legged robots. So we had three types of mobility. So we had flying robots, rolling robots, and walking robots, and we had two of each uh, for the finals. And the reason for that was the, the subdomains that I spoke about earlier, the different subdomains, the tunnel type, the urban type, and the natural cave uh, challenge. All of them have common challenge elements, but also has some unique challenge elements to each of the subdomains. So in an urban environment, you'll have steps, you'll have um, uh, sharp drop-offs like platforms. In, 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 uh, again, in those environments and also tunnels, you'll have uh, rail tracks sometimes, you'll have... Um, uh, slippery ground, muddy terrain. Uh, then you'll have uh, ramps and then loose gravel. Uh, you'll have narrow passages, low overhangs, vertical shafts. So many different challenges. Pretty much every them. problem. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 they they also uh, uh, throw in some smoke and dust in some of these <laughs> environments as well, just to make things interesting. So so we had to choose different types of mobility platforms to try and deal with all these challenge elements. So that, that's what influenced our choice of platforms in that case. And I think um, just as a little bit of trivia for people, um, the, the legged robots you've got, can you, um, can you tell us what their names are? Oh, yes. So, so we, we did buy them from Boston Dynamics. We bought two spot robots, um, which, which I'm sure a lot of people have seen lots of YouTube videos, but just to make, uh, give, it, give it a bit of a Australian or more, more Brisbane-based touch, we, we named them blue, uh, Bluey and Bingo. So th- those were our, our, our track, um, our, those were our legged robots that competed in the challenge. I love that. Um, inspired by obviously the, the TV show built here in, in Brisbane as well. So I think that's um, that's outstanding and a bit of a bit of a further throwback to Brizzy, um, as you mentioned. So yes, absolutely. Uh, 
So let's get let's get stuck into the, the big question. So can you explain, um, I guess, how did the sub-T challenge go for a procedural perspective? You know, was there prelim rounds and then finals? And then the, the question on everyone's mind, how did we go? How, how, did, how did Australia go? Yes, absolutely. So um, as I mentioned earlier, we, we were selected for the for the finals um, and this was held in um, in Louisville, Kentucky and they, they have this place, a massive place called the Louisville Mega Cavern. It's a, it's a massive um, limestone uh, quarry that's, that's kind of dug into the side of a side of a hill and uh, DARPA did a fantastic job in building this really impressive course inside uh, this subterranean environment that had elements from all three subdomains. So they, they had a course that had um, tunnels, caves, and subway and subway-like platforms and an industrial infrastructure underground. And uh, we had the, the, the eight, eight teams that were in the finals line, uh, final lineup. They, they had to go through a preliminary round first. Uh, and then then we had the kind of the the, uh, the price round the grand grand final so we competed in the preliminaries and we actually came on top of the leaderboard for the preliminaries um it wasn't exactly uh, something that we planned for but it was a it was a pleasant <laughs> surprise that uh, it's a nice outcome the minor premiership <laughs> And uh, and then then we went into the we went into the uh, final run uh, the prize run, and uh, we we were we were up against some pretty formidable competition. So there there were uh, teams representing NASA, JPL, uh, MIT, um, and Carnegie Mellon University, and uh, the, the, these these are pretty uh, pretty well known players in in the whole domain of field robotics and then doing these sort of deployments. So in the final run, we actually ended up tying for the top score, uh, which was pretty exciting. So we tied wow. with a, another team called uh, Cerberus and uh, Team Cerberus consisted of um, people from um, the University of Oxford, uh, ETH Zurich, University of Nevada, Reno, uh, and the Norwegian University of Science and Technology. Uh, and then a couple of other companies, Sierra Nevada Corporation and Fiability. Uh, so when when we tied for the top score, they they had to invoke tiebreaker rules. Oh and no, they... no one no one likes a tiebreaker <laughs> rule. So they considered who scored those points the fastest, and uh, it came down to forty six seconds, and we were forty six seconds behind the other team. And considering the one hour long run, forty six seconds is easy. Pretty, pretty slim margin, and uh, we, we ended up second uh, based on that. That's outstanding. You know, given um, we're talking worldwide, you know, we, we're talking about beating um, NASA, we're talking about beating other organisations, et cetera. Um, you know, so for Australia to come second, but come second by 46 seconds, I think that's outstanding. And if I could do, um, if I could do sound effects, you'd be certainly getting a round of applause at this point. So congratulations on that. That's outstanding. Thank you. Thank you for that. And so uh, I'm going to ask the question too because I know the answer. Was there was there prize money? Was there a was there a winner's check? Was there a trophy? What did we get? Uh, yes, there, there there was. So the first place um, uh, winner got uh, two million dollars US, and the second place got one million dollars US. So so we got a million dollars. It's 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 significant. It's it's good. But I think for us more than the money, this was an opportunity to really showcase Australian technology on a global stage and to shine a spotlight on that. I think. For us, that that was the win. 
uh, and to show the rest of the world that that we have this capability and then we we can be the the the, be, uh, the best in the world when it comes to uh, some of these component technologies and then something that didn't necessarily directly contribute to the final um final result but something that DARPA uh, showcased was the mapping accuracy uh, from each of the eight teams because we had to build our own maps uh, using SLAM technology or simultaneous localization mapping as you go through the course and uh, they compared the SLAM accuracy or the mapping accuracy of the eight teams and they compared that with the surveyed ground truth of that course and our team was the only team to get 0% deviation from the ground truth. We, we had a coverage of 91% of the course and we had 0% deviation. And comparing this to the other teams, even the winning team did not have 0% uh, deviation. They had a nominal deviation of close to 15%. So for us, that that was a, a great outcome and great opportunity to really showcase our, our SLAM technology uh, as well. That That's our Wildcat SLAM technology. And we also won uh, what's called a superlative award for the most accurate artifact report so the way way we score points was uh to to detect those um, objects that i mentioned earlier and not just detect the correct class but we had to um, report back the accurate xyz location back to the base station and the, to the darpa scoring server and that's how we score points so our our most accurate artifact report had an error of 4.8 centimeters and we would have still scored that point if that error was five meters. So that's the tolerance allowed by DARPA. So we were two orders of magnitude better than the requirement for, for the localization accuracy. So that again is a, is, a, is a big win for us to really showcase that we, we have that level of technology that can be used in so many different domains, not, not just in this context. And that, that, that was a great outcome for us. I have so many comments off the back of that. I don't even know where to start. Um, so, you know, for, for a simple bloke like myself, essentially what I'm hearing is that um, you put a, a drone or, or, a, or a drone vehicle or an autonomous vehicle into a into a cave where there's no GPS and no ability to understand where that is. Not only did you map that cave exactly to what the cave actually was, you then found all the stuff within, you know, less than five centimetres of, of where it was. Is that is that a, a good summary for, for a simple bloke like myself? It is a good summary. Just to just to kind of clarify, we didn't detect all the artifacts with the same accuracy, but that was the best accuracy that any other any team got. That that was the yep. best uh, that we got. That's outstanding. Um, I think that's that's really cool. And I think you're right. You know, we talk a lot about sovereign capability at the moment. There's a lot of talk about you know, can Australia stand on its own two feet from um, you know from its own industry perspective? And, and you guys are leading the world with this. So uh, there's obviously no no hesitancy in in putting Australia forward and, and showing you know we're, we're leading we're leading this in the in the world. Um, What's next, Navinda? So, you know, do, can, can we top that besides coming second by 46 seconds or, or whatever it was, 26 seconds? Um, what's next then for Data61 in this element? But what, what's, I guess, what's next from a technology perspective as well? Uh, so, uh, as I mentioned earlier, this this was a long, uh, like three, it, was, it was a three-year project with, with significant effort going into it. And we've developed so many component technologies that all work together to give us this outcome. And going forward, what we're focusing on is maturing uh, these technologies further and then developing them to a stage which, uh, so that they can provide solutions to problems faced by 
Australian industry. So where we can apply this and translate this into, into real world solutions. Uh, and then we, we, are, we are happy to extend this even broader than just the Australian industry to, to try and solve problems faced by industry across the board. And that, that's, that's our next focus going forward. That's outstanding. Um, you know, for, for, for someone like myself to, to hear what you guys are doing and, and the outstanding work you're doing, I think it's absolutely amazing. And, uh, you know, we've only had 25 minutes to chat about it, and I feel like we could talk about it for, for four hours. But, um, you know, I'll be, I'll be looking forward to seeing what, what comes into the future. Um, I have no doubt people want to hear more about, about this and about DARPA, the DARPA challenge and about how we went. Where can they go to sort of have, do a bit of a read or, or find a bit more info about what's going on? Uh, so th- there's a lot of content on on the web. So uh, our robotics and autonomous systems group um, has a website. So I think if you if you Google CSRO and robotics, you should be able to find um, find our web web page. We we have a LinkedIn uh, page as well. So if you search for um, CSRO robotics and autonomous systems, you should be able to find it. We are on Twitter. We have a, a Twitter handle called CSRO Robotics. Uh, and if you kind of go on those social media channels, you, you'll be able to keep keep track of what we're up to. Fantastic. Um, to, to kind of finish up today, I just want to ask uh, a question around the industry. So, you know, you, you guys are one element of the industry and there's plenty of people doing good stuff in, in this area um, or in the area of robotics and autonomous systems. Um, what are the barriers? What's, what's holding us back from really growing, um, you know, substantially over the next five years or so? <laughs> That, that's a good question. So that's something that we, we are kind of trying to figure out and answer ourselves as well. So one, I'm, I'm sure there are, there are many elements, but one, one thing that's been clear to us is that uh, if you take the component technologies to solve a problem, they exist in, in various forms, but sometimes getting all of that together to create a, create a bigger solution, I think that that seems to be the missing element. So uh, collaboration is definitely mm. the answer to that. Uh, and, and of course, attracting bigger chunks of funding helps drive that as well. Uh, so the DARPA sub challenge was, was a good example for that because it was a large project that was uh, well-funded over three years. And that allowed us to bring so many different components together and put them together and, and drive innovation to come up with a, with a great solution. So I think that... If we, if we keep doing that sort of thing across the board, if we try to bring various component technologies together to solve a bigger problem, I think that that's kind of the way they forward and, and through collaboration as well. And I, I, um, I thank you for that insight because, you know, I, I, I feel like everyone's sick of me banging on about collaboration and, and then we've got, to, we've got to trust people and we've got to be honest and we've got to work together. Um, and I think that, you know, what you just said then is, uh, is the future of the industry and the future of us, you know, making this making this work for Australia. So um, thank you for that. Um, Navinda, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Um, thanks so much, mate, for, for coming on today. Uh, congratulations, you know, on behalf of all of the listeners, congratulations on what you guys achieved. It's, it's world-class, it's world-leading. Um, I, don't, I don't care that it was it was second. I, I think it's, a, it's an equal first. So, uh, and you won the minor premiership as well in the prelim round. So I think that's even better. So um, would you mind if we, we can we commit to, do, to doing another one of these in maybe six months or 12 months and, and just see where you guys are at and what's coming up? Yeah, absolutely. More than happy. 
Awesome. Thanks again, Navinda. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, ladies and gents, I hope you enjoyed today's episode um, talking CSIRO, Data61 and the Sub-T Challenge. Um, again, thanks for listening to the Drones for Good podcast. If you, if you uh, enjoyed the show, please don't forget to subscribe uh, to the podcast. Give it a rating. Tell me what I'm doing well. Tell us what we're doing poorly. Uh, we'd love to hear back from you. Uh, Navinda, thanks again, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Andrew.